fragrant that I was with the devil below in his great big fiery hall where the devil was giving a ball. I checked my coat and hat and started gazing at the merry crowd who came to witness the show and I must confess to you there were many there I knew. Hello. Hi. At the devil's ball. At the devil's ball. Hello, and welcome to The Dispatchist, a friendly conversation about hell, Egypt, and some other stuff. Tonight, I'm Jamin, and oh my gosh, look over there, it's Victoria! Hi, Victoria! Well, hello! How are you? I'm fantastic, and oh my gosh, look who we have here. Hi, Jacob! Welcome back, Jacob! (laughs) Hello, it's been so long. Yay! I'm just excited to be here in this non-space. Yeah, we're we're back at the office here on the... What level of hell are we in again? The Circle of the Vainglorious. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. What number is that again? <laughs> it's on your stationery. Hang on, I've got to look this up. Uh, what's our street address again? <laughs> it's one of those stop numbers that they have at the university. You know, it's not a real address. Mm. Pride. Pride, 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 pride. It's not a number. <laughs> Well, <laughs> sweet Forby pride, been glorious. It's like an address in Hong Kong. <laughs> well, I figure I'll start with snacks. Okay. As we're recording, obviously, Jacob, you've already published our prior post. So I'll ask, have you been putting my recipes in the show notes? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I link to them when I can find them. I'm glad I'm glad I share them with you. So today's <laughs> Do do y'all need to is there something we need to talk about here? Do we need do we need to have a conversation? Well, I mean we're having a conversation. It's a friendly conversation about hell okay. and some other stuff. Including the non publication of recipes. Well, I mean this stuff is good. I want people to share. I do mm-hmm. link to it when I have a clear idea of what I'm linking to. So like mm-hmm. when I copy and paste it directly into your feed and yes. say, here's the recipe I'm using tonight. I often link to that. Okay. <laughs> it's a two-way street. Yeah. It's, it's two one-way streets back to back. It's true. I don't think we have a circle of hell. Like, Gasp. Pride is not on the list. Is that why we haven't been getting fan mail? Oh. I mean, I think that simply the location of our office probably makes that <laughs> inevitable. Is all of our mail, like, stacking up in lust or something? Yes. I do love stacking up in lust. (laughs) Recipes. I think you will know this one because it's got za-tar spice. And there's a... There's a... In there. So it's za-tar spice, right? Okay. Not like me yet. Is it za-tar? How do you pronounce that correctly? Za-tar sounds like a Texas pronunciation, doesn't it? (laughs) Z-A... A-T-A-R spice, or dukha. Um, oh, right, okay. And then it's got a, a what's the capital T? Is that a table, tablespoon or a tablespoon? Tablespoon. Okay, it's got harissa, which is a thing, right? So you see we're going for the, the Persian blend, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So everyone's following along. So you yep. slice up some scallions, mm-hmm. harissa, some lemon zest, smush it all together with avocados, and I kid you not, the recipe is guac like an Egyptian. Oh, <laughs> very, very wow. cute! Very wow, wow! There were there was a lot of there was a lot of wind up, 
And it was worth it. I think so. No, I'm looking. <laughs> Guys, I'm looking. I think it was. I think you're right. Tortilla chips, guac like an Egyptian. Cute. I like that. Uh, for the record, listeners, I have just linked Jacob this recipe. If you want to follow along at home, it's on our show notes. Finally. <laughs> Is it time for drinks? It might be time for drinks. We I think it's time for, for drinks. drinks. So I brought a drink called Black Goo. Oh, no. Oh. I'm still a little wobbly from last week. Yeah, I just had flashbacks to last time. So black goo does have something to do with mummies, and it's connected to Osiris, but it has nothing to do with sewage. Okay. <laughs> does it have anything to do with bitumen? As a matter of fact, it does. Oh. So I'll give you the drink first, and then I'll explain the connection if you're interested in the connection. Oh, here, drink this. See if you die. <laughs> That's pretty much it. No, but the drink is delicious. Mm. So, what, but it requires a lot of labor, just like mummification. <laughs> um, so, if you do it well, it comes out delicious. Um, just like mummification. <laughs> exactly. So, it requires melting down pure licorice, an amount of like a, three and a half ounces of pure licorice Ooh. with some water. So you dissolve that licorice in the water. That takes about 48 hours. Then you stir the mixture occasionally. And in a saucepan over low heat, you make a syrup from about five cups of sugar and two and a half cups water. You make the sugar dissolve there and allow the syrup to cool. When it's cold, you mix the syrup and the licorice concentrate. And then you add a liter of 180 proof alcohol. Pour the liqueur, so then you bottle this liqueur and wait a few weeks before drinking it. Okay. So not only do you get diabetes, you also go blind. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, oh, like ever licorice-flavored Everclear. Oh, my gosh. Mm. This is challenging. Have you ever had tiger tail ice cream? No. Yes. yes. It's, it's, a, it's a Canadian way north thing, but it's orange uh-huh. sherbet with anise licorice syrup Yum. woven in streaks. And it's probably right up your alley. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's actually really, really good. You think, oh, let's mix orange ice cream and licorice. And it and no, it's like, hmm. That very sounds good. super good. I very think I would good. be all into that. Yeah. I think so I did bring some entertainment this week. Ooh, cool. Enduring the chanting of hideous worms with heads at both their ends. <laughs> what are they chanting? Um, are they just saying "Rock me, Amadeus"? Amadeus, <laughs> Amadeus. It might be like I think I, I go for like Tusk, Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> Tusk, <laughs> Tusk. <laughs> and they got heads at both ends, so they're chanting twice. Yeah, well, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's you know it's self harmonizing. <laughs> self harming. They could do their own call and response. It's like, what do we want? Freedom! (laughs) When do we want it? Now! Worms are known for their rebellious natures. Mm -hmm. It's true. Oh, do you guys want to know why I had a drink called Black Goo? Oh, yes. Let's the... It's... (laughs) You could say no. (laughs) It's like distilled ouzo. It is like distilled ouzo. Before yeah. we go on here, I need you to know that when I Googled for black goo drink, I got the mummies again. <laughs> See, you do. You do. I'll, I've got, I, I'll send this to you. There's a lovely picture of something that is not at all uh, mummy or uh, bile or sewage related. I promise. I promise this once. But um, so 
Turns out, when archaeologists find sarcophagi and objects in tombs, they're often covered in a black goo. And this black goo is a mixture of various resins and other plant and animal, like animal grease and plant extracts and bitumen. And it's unclear what the point of this is, except to maybe like it seals everything, but also it's a sign of wealth. If you can have the black goo covering all of your stuff in your tomb. One of the great ironies of mummification is that originally the Egyptians buried their dead in the sand, like pre-Old Kingdom. Mm -hmm. And sand in a desert is a really great desiccant. Yeah. So yeah. someone mm-hmm. buried in the sand would last forever. It's like silica gel. Yeah. Those little silica gel cheap, packs. Cheap mummification. And, and then they upgraded to coffins like every single other culture on Earth has done, and uh-huh. that trapped moisture. And so the entire mummification pyramid scheme they bought into <laughs> <laughs> is to reclaim the perfect mummification they had before they spent all that time and money. Mm-hmm. It's so sad. It is. Yeah. Well, here, the reason why there's a connection to to Osiris is that he's often referred to as the black one, because his, you know, Mm. as a mummy coated in this black goo, but also the black goo represents the fertile soil of the Nile and Osiris as a fertility god. And yet, and yet he was green. Right. He's both like black and green. Wait, he's the green one. Yes. Oh, See, I thought, I thought there was a green one and a black one, and then the other two were just regular old bird-headed well, gods. It's, it's like Magic the Gathering, if you get all five colors. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, going to wait for uh, you to explain that one to me. <laughs> but also, like, there's, a, you know, you're not only sealing the sarcophagi with this black goo for preservation, but also you're ensuring regeneration because of the fertility connection, mm. connection to Osiris. So. Pour me, pour me a, pour me a, do you sip this or do you shoot it? I would say, well, it depends on you. Like you do you, man. I mean, when you're sitting there smoking your cloves, you know, <laughs> listening to Better Than Ezra or whatever the kids <laughs> do these days, then you know, playing some hacky, uh, you know, you could keep it in your, you can make it, you know, like put it in your fridge, make it cold. Man, I would, it, I suppose. I would go for a nice jar I'm about now. I think if you, <laughs> if you refrigerated this, it would solidify, correct? Uh, no. They suggest it. Because it's um, simple syrup. Because of all the liquor. It's yeah. It's got like 180 proof liquor. So it might get like a <gasps> slurry, like oh. a delicious black gooey slurry. Oh, mm. you could pour it in one of those tall shot glasses and light it on fire. It could be like a Jaeger, right? Yes. Like, uh-huh. Flaming black goose shots. <laughs> well, while, while y'all were talking and I was ignoring you, um, I spent the last five minutes setting up a Discord chat. Oh. Oh, thank you. Awesome. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing, but I made a bunch of little channels. One of them is for episode suggestions. One of them is called Books and Movies, which I figure will get a lot of mileage. Ooh. And mm-hmm. one of them is called... Antichrist. <gasps> nice. Okay. Yeah. I'll take S words for 400, Alex. <laughs> um, we need to do another one of those. Do we, need, uh, do we need moderators for our Discord channel? I'd take that. Would you like to apply to be a moderator for our Discord channel? Yes. Wait, I'm, you're not asking me. 
You're asking the world. So, Hi, world. Are, is this a? Are you are you re- requesting that we interview for this job right now? I don't think we should interview. I think if someone volunteers, we give it to them. Mm. Our standards okay. our standards are fairly low. It's true. Yeah. Um, you're not a jerk. Then yes. Dear listener. Hi, do you want to do things we don't want to do? Join our Discord channel. <laughs> research. <laughs> we don't want to research. What kind of, so yeah, like what kind of skill set is required for the Discord channel moderator and what is the time commitment? I would hope not that much. I mean, just kind of skim the chat a little bit, make sure that nobody's spamming unnecessarily. You know, keep things moving a little bit. I don't think it's a full-time job. I think, you know, 30 minutes a day would be like ample engagement. 30 minutes every half hour. You're fine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll pay you 10 American dollars. A year. Yep. So any any hell news this week? Kind of, sort of. In the the sense that the devil made Texas. Oh, the devil has been to Texas. I didn't want to go into this one because it's depressing, but... There is a direct hell tie-in, sort of. Well, there's a direct Satan tie-in. Mm-hmm. Over the last month, Texas has implemented it. The world's most draconian abortion law. One that deputizes people to be anti-abortion Gestapo, uh, report their neighbors, report anyone that's transported someone to an abortion. It's dark, big brother, nightmare things. And our great shining hope is probably the Temple of Satan. Yep. Mm-hmm. They do have some good lobbyists. They do. And I think this is well beyond entertaining to something else entirely. So the Temple of Satan has... Satanic launched- Temple. Mm. You're right. So the Satanic <laughs> Temple has... So the Satanic Temple has filed a lawsuit against the state of Texas on this. And they've been talking about it for a while, and they've filed similar lawsuits elsewhere, uh, arguing that abortion is a fundamental sacrament of their faith. Certainly not one that's required of all members, but two of their fundamental tenets are, uh, number three, one's body is inviolable, subject to one's own will alone, and five, belief should conform to one's best scientific understanding of the world. One should never take care to distort scientific facts to fit one's one's own belief. And as a part of this... That's a good tenet. They're all good. People are fallible. I like that one. I hold on to that one very closely. So... The sacrament of abortion is, if you are going to go down this road of surgical or medical abortion, look at yourself in the mirror, recognize your humanity, meditate on tenets three and five, and realize that everything you're doing is an act of freedom and control over your own body, mm. and, then, and then that. So they've stated in their press release, they, so they've stated in their press release that anything that delays or dissuades or derails this is a violation of their religious uh, freedoms. This kind of ties into a more lighthearted side in which I think we're going to have to double back on this one, but a teenager sued his high school on the principle of religious freedom on body piercings. Yes. He was like, he was like, it's my religion that my body can be pierced and you can't stop me. Also Texas. Oh, uh, was it Texas? It was Good Texas. On. It was also Good Texas, on you, boy. also recent. And mm-hmm. if that one goes through, that's an interesting precedent. I do like precedents. 
Yes. It is. Yeah. It's not, I mean, you know, you have businesses claiming that they can't, you know, allow their employees to have, you know, on their insurance, they won't pay for birth control on their insurance because of that, the company's religious beliefs or, you know, places who won't uh, sell wedding cakes to gay couples based on their so-called religious beliefs. So, I mean, the precedent has been set Mm. for religious freedom being cited in a lot of situations. So I think, yeah, it's only, you know, tit for tat. Like, yeah, you made this bed. This is, <laughs> this is what happens is like, yeah. <laughs> well, so donation link uh, forthcoming to the temple of, to the, to the, <laughs> the satanic temples uh, campaign fund. Yeah. One day we'll get it right. The, Satanic Temple. I, we I promise. Got it, I got it right. I just stumbled my way through it. Like <laughs> no, a, no, no, no. I can't re- ever remember our like website. Like a two-headed so. worm. <laughs> Tusk. <laughs> Maybe it's like on Sesame Street how they'd have the little like two uh, sort of shadow heads saying, you know, saying things to create uh, compound words. You know, oh, yeah. Sat- temple. Satanic Temple. So... This episode brought to you by the number three and the letter thorn. <laughs> so shall we start on topic stuff at this point? Let's start on topic <laughs> stuff at this point. Okay. So I want to start first off, hashtag Hoyt, H-O-I-T. Oh. So this is going to be a hoity-toity episode. So what, is the, what, are, what are those uh, letters stand for, Jamin? This episode brought to you by the letters... Uh, okay. H H O O I U no, no I I sorry right you no wait wait <laughs> <laughs> that was so that was so cute you guys did it in unison and, like like the worms and T <laughs> who's on first <laughs> Horus oh Osiris Isis and Toth is it Toth. Or is it Thoth? I it's 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 squiggly man urinating dog. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I thought so, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> I want to start this episode with an extensive disclaimer, <laughs> which is really my way. I think we're going to be talking about kind of the brighter side of the Egyptian god pantheon set, and I think it's really worth mentioning that. The concept of gods that you probably have in your head is not what the Egyptians necessarily had in theirs. Hmm. I, I think that probably it's closer, the idea of God in Egypt is closer to morphemes in language than hmm. than characters in a book. Yeah, I could I could see that. Like, it was a very, very magical, liturgical, spell-laden world. And names hmm. are so very important. Uh, but one example of this might be, uh, you know, Ra, the god of cheerleaders. Yay! <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I just got that. Oh, my. Oh. Mm. Okay, points. Points to Jacob. <laughs> and Sobek, the god of alligators. Crocodiles. Which one? Alligators or crocodiles? Crocodiles. Crocodiles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you were describing Sobek as, in his aspect, as the rising sun god of crocodiles, he would be Ra Sobek. And in fact, you can find Ra Sobek as a deity. But that's just the kind of the god morpheme of Ra, 
and the god morphium of Sobek. And knowing that gods are kind of assembled like this, like, like German word construction, you can kind of get behind how Hathor becomes Sekhmet, because these are just more ideas than deities. So when the Greeks were kind of repurposing Egyptian mythology for their own story collection anthologies and golden books and such, they were going into there assuming that a god is someone who could theoretically come down and sleep with you and you'd have a demigod the next week. Or like the Norse idea that gods are these boisterous characters that have like sustained existences. No, it's that's not the case. In fact, there's a spell in the pyramid text where you can become any god you want to, assuming you're a dead pharaoh. So whatever their idea of gods is, are, was, were, it's very different from ours and attempting to understand them as like standalone existing characters that have like stable personalities and identities and genitalia is probably not worth the effort. It's better to assume they're idea shapes or ways of relating to the world or stories that society tells about themselves. Hmm. Okay. Except that makes sense. Anubis, who is hot. <laughs> it's an agglutinative theology. Yeah. Okay. I could buy that. Wow. I just use syllables. So what did you say? Uh, can you say that again? Agglutinative. <clears throat> no, obviously not. <laughs> agglutinative theology. So what is agglutinative? So, uh, things like, the, okay, mm, agglutinative is... Germanic language. Well, l- let's stick with the, the root word. Ooh, my voice, mm, puberty. <laughs> <laughs> let's stick with... <laughs> when it's time Another disclaimer, change. many of the hosts had cheese pizza for dinner. <laughs> 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 Agglutinative, well, this is one of those lie to children. The root word is glue. It's when you mash things together. Mm, and that's mm-hmm. that's mostly true. So like Eskimo or Inuit where or German, where you just, you take a root, a root, a root take a word, and you add things mm-hmm. to it. And you take a word and you build it into a word sentence, right? Oh, like the Texas Constitution. <gasps> Zing. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> Okay, so something like uh, tool in German is like... Werkzeug. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, like, it's a, it's a work thing. Yeah. And then the, if you add house to it, it's a housework thing. Yeah. You know, and just, like, on, so on and so on. And if, if it's, like, it's an, a, a, an expensive, it's like a Toyer house Werkzeug, right? Yeah. And so, like, yeah, it's, you just you smush things together and you build bigger concepts from smaller things. Okay. Like okay. the, I think I get that. Like yeah. the sun god of alligators. So is that why? <laughs> so is there a sort of a overlapping then of pause? Yes, crocodiles. You're right. Go on, crocodiles. So you can also have these weird mishmashes of a god that is part baboon, part crocodile, part human. And sometimes takes the shape of a falcon. I think they just took on aspects of the gods. Okay. Like there's a god that's a hybrid Osiris-Horus. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's, mm-hmm. it's a Horus mm-hmm. or it's an Osiris. It's mm-hmm. just that this, it's, it's got aspects of the other one. Or, and it's a continuum from Horus to Osiris too, right. right? And there's another specific version of Horus that's like the baby Horus. And he's got a little side pigtail and... Mm-hmm. The finger in his mouth. 
yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah. of like Doctor Doctor Evil. Yeah, and it's kind of like that's the dawn, the the baby New Year, uh, Horus. Mm-hmm. One of the things you said, which kind of struck me, Anubis is hot. I mean, <laughs> I was well, expecting duh. that. A lot of what we know is viewed through the lens of Greek theology. Plutarch specifically. Right? So, we've lost a lot of ancient Egyptian, except it was documented by the Greeks, and the Greeks have a different theology than the Egyptians did. Right. And I think there was a lot of general mockery of Egypt at the time, Hmm. whatever the time was, because they were worshipping these weird animal gods. But these were ideas, not gods per se. But if your storytelling is gods per se, you know, that's what they did. But... But there weren't a lot of written records of Greek of there weren't a lot of written records of Egyptian mythology, so we only have like maybe one or two big stories that were kind of commemorated and preserved by Plutarch in like 300 BCE. Mm. And this also kind of this this made sense of this feeling I had, which I could not put into words, in which Greek mythology kind of makes sense to me. It resonates because like modern Hebraic mythology. Greek, Latin, and we saw this go all the way back to ancient Akkadian Sumerian, where it's like these concepts where you can say, oh, this is a Baal, this is a wind god. This, we've got these iterations of wind gods through the years, right? Right. But Egyptian mythology is none of that. It doesn't resonate with this heritage we've built upon. Yeah. I think it's it, the gods are explanations of, of the stories we tell about our own cultures. So maybe one year everybody does shut down and there's only uh, Atamra, the sun god, for 15 years or so. That's the story that society is telling about itself right now. Hmm. Hmm. But in the long and the short of it, we only really have one really good story to tell today, which is the Osiris myth. Yay! It's true. It's a good one. It is. This is kind of the, like, big, best-known Egyptian myth, uh, and... Try though I will, it may be the only Egyptian myth I can find that's got more than three lines to it. Let's tell the Osiris myth. I don't think I'm going to try and five-minute this one because it's going to pass through all of the major gods that we're going to be dealing with in the today's episode. Four. Uh, um, yeah, Anubis is in there too, but maybe just as a bit character. Okay. I think his hotness means that he needs to, you know... I just have- don't... I don't have that much to say about him. Oh, we can make stuff up. Okay, that's fair. Mm-hmm. So Osiris started out as a as an, Osiris started out as an agricultural deity. That's pretty well known. It's one of the reasons why he's green and why he's crazy what? popular. No, he's green because he died. <laughs> no, that's disgusting. Uh, he was mummified and therefore eternal. But he's still turned, like, he's green because he died, and that's what happens to dead people. No, he's green, well, I believe that he's green because he's an agricultural deity, and green is a sacred color. But his brother killed him. What? I think you're both right. One of you is just more literal than the other. Yes, that's true. Um... (laughs) So this is probably one of the places where Fraser got the idea of the resurrection god, which uh, every single mythologist for like the next hundred years drank too much Fraser aid and believed it was actually true. Uh, I don't think Osiris is a resurrection god. I think he 
is there to die, um, but he's not resurrected in the sense that like the stag comes back in the new year and is born again. He's resurrected in a way that is very specifically tied to the dynastic monast- monasty. That's not a word. That's tied to the dynastic monarchy of Egypt. The, the, mona- mm-hmm. the monastic dynasty. I know. I think the word monastic was not actually meant to be in that sentence. Oh. I just well, couldn't say the words. Okay. But a divine lineage of rule. Right. He, when he dies, he's not really resurrected. He's brought back as the king of the underworld. The new ruler is Horus, his son. Mm-hmm. So tied to his death, and we're really skipping ahead in this myth, tied to his death is that he and Isis have their their kid, and that kid takes the throne. Osiris is left behind, left underneath, and he never comes back as a surface deity. That is not resurrection. That is something else. It's immortality. Mm-hmm. That's what, he's probably the nicest underworld god there is. He's partially mummified. That's true. And green. <laughs> that's... That's edgy. And we're not sure if he has a penis at this point. That's true. That's unclear. It's in a lot of pictures, so I assume it's there. It's true. Yeah, but where did it come from? We can discuss that later. Um, But also, I mean, he provides like Horus and Osiris, a pharaoh in the world is Horus, and then pharaoh afterlife is Osiris. So they, you know, they are those placeholders for the pharaohs. Kind of flip side pharaoh. Mm Mm-hmm. Lord of Silence, Lord of Love, the Beautiful One, Foremost of the Westerners. I like that one. Uh, Mm. King of the Living, very popular god. Uh, I'm doing a really crap job of telling his story, though. Um, So there's a lot of versions of this, depending on what year you're in. But it kind of boils down to Seth tricks him into climbing into a coffin or just kills him and has him messily dismembered into a number of segments later incarnations say 42 segments one per province of egypt so kind of this king is the world is the territory is the land yeah i've seen it 14 and i've seen it 42 the 42 or whatever whichever it's the 42 that aligns the provinces that makes kind of the most sense in a myth yeah sort of a douglas adams myth but yes Mm -hmm. i I was waiting for that (laughs) wow That was smooth. That was smoother than I could have done. So. I know, we handed it to That's you on a platter. Two points to Jacob. <laughs> so the Seth versus Osiris thing is one of the first big order-disorder stories, and uh, disorder obviously triumphs at least temporarily in this one. And in some versions, Seth kind of takes the throne for the next few years as uh, Isis tries to find Osiris's body, which is spread out all over Egypt. Again, this all depends on what year you're talking about. The story becomes more elaborate and more anti-Seth as we roll forward towards mm-hmm. zero AE. Damn it, Seth. <laughs> okay. Why was Osiris slain and or tricked into climbing to a coffin? Uh, theory one, Osiris slept with Seth's wife. Rude. Theory two, Osiris kicked Seth. Eh. a bit much, yeah. Uh-huh. Theory three, sometimes the god of chaos just has to kill the god of order. Oh, I mean, you can't really argue with that, can you? Yeah, and I I feel like Osiris's main role in his existence was to be killed. I think you're right. Mm -hmm. Is this one of those agricultural things? It's like, the corn must be cut down so that it can be harvested? Yes, I think so. Hmm. Um. Osiris does appear later on as, like, large sheaves of wheat when you're in the underworld, so his tie to, like, the products of agriculture is pretty strong, too. Hmm. 
I wonder if he's a beer god. I, I bet he is. Um, anyway, so there's a big mummification party. Yay! Yeah. And who who mummifies him? Two of our well, our friends. Isis and Nephthys, Isis' sister, kind of find the body parts, but mm-hmm. uh, the, the big mummifier is almost certainly Anubis, mm-hmm. who is mm-hmm. the pharaoh-hound-headed god of mummification. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not jackal-headed? Thoth helps him as well. Thoth does? Really? Mm-hmm. That's what I've heard, that he is his part of the... He originally was um, part of the mummification party. Uh I'm sorry, I heard that Thoth was born from Seth's forehead because of Horus. See, this is where it gets complicated, and I know we're going to talk about that, but I've, yeah, like, he either uh, self-generated uh, uh, parthenogenesis, right? Is that what it is? From the cosmic Ibis egg. <laughs> yeah, and, and or is the child of Horus and Seth. Yes. Okay. So, but timelines don't quite work here. Looking, no. supposedly he was there. Like he helped some of the stuff I've read. He helped Isis find the body parts, and he also helped with the mummification. Knowing what we just went over, in that we're looking at this through the Greek lens or the lens of Greek mythology, springing from someone's forehead, I I will almost guarantee that's a Greek addition. Yeah. Right. It yeah. might have been. I think a lot mm-hmm. of the like. Horus slash Seth conflict myth was added a long time after the fact. Some of it's actually taken from other stories, but that like have no relationship. Sprang to. from the sea foam. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. B- became a swan and impregnated. Uh, Hera. So, sorry, the actual story is much more beautiful. Seth's semen was spread on two leaves of lettuce and fed to him. <laughs> oh yeah, the sandwich. The sandwich we didn't want to talk about. <laughs> I think, we'll come back to that. I feel like semen sandwich is always topical. <laughs> We're not talking about the Navy. It is not low carb, high protein. This is keto friendly. Um, actually, seventy percent fructose. <laughs> I so moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, back to Osiris. Uh, we're we're gonna we'll get to the we'll get to the. Um, In the Osiris story, yes. Seth and Horus here soon. What happened next, Jacob? Oh, I've been told that I'm not talking anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I did not mean to, to uh, silence. Oh. To silence. Yeah. What well, happened okay. next, Victoria? <laughs> uh, I, no, Osiris's body was dismembered. Right. Mm-hmm. Osiris's body was reassembled by a large musical number scene. There was probably a montage. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there were other, like, cartoon animals, like, sewing things. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, but one of the big mm-hmm. parties was Isis, who had all of these magic spells to bring him back to something like life. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some versions where his penis ends up in other places, but ultimately, Osiris and Isis have a special moment together in a special coffin and have Horus, their son, who is immediately the baby in Great Jeopardy, because... Uh, the god of storms and chaos is quite upset by him. So here's, here, I, I kind of went down a rabbit hole with Osiris's penis, um, trying to figure all this out. And because one of the retellings of the story says that Isis kind of hovered over him and that impregnated her. Another story, she becomes a, a, a kite. The, the bird. bird. 
okay. and, and flies around him and somehow like through that, like I guess she creates such a, a vortex that she actually kind of pulls the semen out of his body into hers. I've, I've read that she made a phallus out of gold, a phallus out of wood, or used her own thumb. So lots of possibilities here. But you're right, like in coffin, little statues of Osiris, there's always an erect penis. But in a lot of the drawings, his um, just like with, with other figures who have been defaced by uh, marauding Christians, uh, his Damn it, Christians. has been erased or scraped off or cut off. Oh no! So, so even if he has, like, in many, like, it's his penis is is uh, the state the status of his penis is uh, ambiguous. Okay, okay. I want to share some visual imagery with you, dear friends, listeners. Uh, the past three minutes has been Victoria gesticulating wildly with her hands, flailing to and fro up, <laughs> like if you could just see the way she is. Her hands are describing everything, and uh, it's amazing. It's This is the wrong medium for me. Hmm. I mean... <laughs> um, oh, but so the hovering thing is part of that whole controversy about whether or not Osiris and Isis and Horus are the holy family, because one could say that Isis hovering above Osiris and then becoming pregnant is a virgin birth. I, oh, is this where we should have a substantial digression and talk about Isis and Mary for a bit? Sure. Well, can, can I first tell you what I know about Isis? Oh. Isis or Osiris? Isis. Isis. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Before you do, uh huh. Do they <laughs> have really stepping on you right now? I'm sorry. <laughs> do they have tornadoes <laughs> in Egypt? Like ooh, like yes. the the concept of like whirlwinds extracting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you were to make a seed-extracting whirlwind as a bird, mm-hmm. that's just, this is something, like, culturally we're okay with, right? Or, like, a centrifuge? Yeah. A bird-fueled centrifuge? Yeah, okay. So tell us about Isis. So, um, what I know about Isis, so her real name is Andrea Thomas, okay? And she's a science teacher at Larkspur High School, she found an ancient mystical gold amulet called the Tutmos Amulet on an archaeological dig in Egypt. I don't think this so, is canon. It is canon. So, like, <laughs> this amulet, which resembled the, the headdress of Hathor, had originally belonged to Queen Hatshepet, and the amulet gave the wearers the power to call to the animals and the elements, and she used this... Andrea did whenever she ran into teens who have, were making bad choices. I have a quick, and, quick, quick question before you yeah. go too much further. Did uh-huh. you know that Wikipedia has disambiguation links? <laughs> <laughs> but what, what, what do you mean by like, why, why, why? Is this, is this I mean, a Marvel they, story or a DC story? Th- this is the story. This is ISIS. Like whenever she needed to use this power to like help a teen in trouble, she would say, oh, um, you know, uh, Gadzooks. <laughs> she would say almighty isis 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 oh ISIS. oh this is plutarch this is from plutarch yes okay plutarch. okay mm-hmm. good yeah yeah mm-hmm. so All things made clear i mean honestly earlier you did say that in the heck hecka magic based there are spells which let you become a pharaoh let you spells which let you become any god obviously this is 
canon. Yeah. Yes. Isis is in everybody, even if you just know how to invoke a high school teacher. Yeah. You gotta you gotta mm-hmm. know how to invoke it. Mm-hmm. That was good, Victoria. I wasn't ex- <laughs> I was not expecting that. Good on you, Andrea Thomas. Word for the day. Sumodiistic. Ooh. S-U-M-M-O-D-I-E-S-T-I-C. This is the belief in multiple gods or goddesses, but they are emanations or aspects of one supreme being. Oh. Yeah. Isis is arguably the top god in the Egyptian pantheon. Maybe maybe tied with Osiris, depends on who you ask. But she's this very beloved mother god, goddess of magic. She kind of has that kind of Astarte god of everything happening a little mm-hmm. bit. And she maintains her divinity into Greek mythology, becomes kind of a Greek goddess as well. In uh, the year 150-ish novel, The Metamorphosis, Isis herself says, My one person manifests the aspects of all gods and goddesses, and I am worshipped by the world under different forms with various rites and by manifold names. Um, And I think going up to the 20th century, she becomes kind of like the named ur-goddess. You know, the mother goddess doesn't really have a name, but Isis is this kind of perfect goddess that represents all goddesses in her own special way. She's kind of serves as the goddess of magic and secret knowledge in Western occultism. And people have argued that she and Horus become the image of Mary and Jesus. She protects Horus and casts spells over him and is seen nursing him. But I kind of feel like the image of a nursing mother is fairly universal. Just adding to that, the representations of her holding Osiris's body have been likened to the Pieta of Mary holding Jesus. Yeah. Something can be inspired by without actually being derivative of, and perhaps that's where we are. I mean, this is all goddess imagery, and many of the images of other goddesses feed into Isis's story, and those also feed into Mary. So, Hmm. who knows? Ooh, I have another one that feeds the Mary myth, is that supposedly, this is another kind of side story, that Isis chooses her followers by appearing in their dreams, much like Mary, the, the, the Virgin de Guadalupe shows mm. up to people and Mary shows herself to people. Huh. Okay. Mm. So, all goddesses are one goddess. Is this polytheistic monolatry or polylatric monotheism? Sir, the word of the day is sumodiasm. <laughs> right, but that's not Greek. I know Greek. Doesn't know Greek. <laughs> I was waiting. I wasn't going to go there. Uh, I, I believe it's henotheism at root. Hmm. But like we've had this discussion about like monolatry versus other things. Are you worshiping many gods or are you worshiping one god? Strict sumodeism is that you can worship all these different gods, but you should recognize they are emanations of one central idea. Interesting. That doesn't necessarily stop you from worshiping any number of them. For those of you following along at home who've Good luck with that. gotten lost in the syllables, <laughs> please check our show notes. Right. You'll find Sumodipophysism just after Guac Like an Egyptian. It does seem more likely that the Horus and Isis story is directly tied to what biblical narrative besides the Holy Family? Say that again? 
What yeah, that the, didn't actually I, work as was a that logical a, Was that a question or a statement? Yes. <laughs> yes? This so, biblical narrative may recast <laughs> Isis and Horus. Moses? Yes. Because of the, the hiding in the rushes? Yeah, the rushes. Yeah, I thought about that. Another word for papyrus. And, and Isis bar- hid Moses in, no wait, Isis hid Horus in the papyrus <laughs> grove in the side of the bank and made him a little boat. A little yes. boat. A little boat, a little Horus boat. But, you know, one word we haven't used yet is Kumquat. syncretism. <laughs> How have we made it halfway through an episode without using the word syncretism? I don't know. But, I mean, I think y'all are saying words that sound like the same syncretism. thing. Syncretism? Yeah. 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 No, I'll, mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. So, Isis is one of the wildly popular gods and goddesses of the Egyptian pantheon. She's a powerful goddess of magic and motherhood and gives gift to civilizations and all those good things. She's just kind of another ur-goddess and very well-loved. And her story kind of goes to Horus, and then Horus takes over the narrative uh, as we get to the epic conflict of law and order and kingship and chaos. Can I interject a quick Isis story in here that couples the Egyptian Isis with our TV Isis? Sure. Like Archer? <laughs> and that she, the, that Isis also was sort of used in kind of morality tales. Really? Including oh. Isis and the Seven Scorpions. Do you know this story? I don't. Sleepy, happy, <laughs> Yes. So, <laughs> as... As she was going around the world looking for, well, she was she was hiding, at this point, she was hiding from Seth. She had Horus and she was hiding from Seth. And so she was given these seven scorpions. Um, actually, I think Thoth was the person who gave her the seven scorpions to, to accompany her. And they were named Sleepy, Doc, Happy, Bashful, Tefin, Mastatef, etc., etc., so she's trekking around with these scorpions, and she goes to uh, this wealthy old woman's house, and you know she knocks on the door. But then the old woman hears the scorpions whistling "Wind of Change," and she, she freaks out, and <laughs> slams the door, slams the door right on their on their little faces. I so, have, sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. I have another digression. <laughs> Is it about the scorpions? <laughs> kind of. No, not at all. But it is about it is about Isis's wandering the world while she's trying to protect Horus. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And that is something that Demeter did. Um, yes. Sort of. Demeter mm-hmm. wandered the world looking for Persephone. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. both of them have this myth that they became more attuned to the mortal world and the physical world because of these things, and probably more beloved as goddesses as well. And this is this is the case here, not to spoil it. So Isis is like, whatevs. But the scorpions are pissed off, and they swear that they're going to rock that old woman like a hurricane. <laughs> so then Isis and the scorpions toddle off to a young fisher girl's house, and she finds her one crust of bread and shares it with all of them. And Isis is very happy, but the scorpions go off, and they put all of their poison into their leader, Tefin. Tefin stings the old woman's son, and Isis feels badly about this. So she commands the poison out of the sun by naming all seven scorpions. And the old woman is so pleased 
with this um, the healing of her son that she gives all of her worldly goods to the to the young fisher girl. But that is one of those you know stories about how Isis is teaching this kind of moral tale while also being this goddess of compassion for even people who have wronged hmm. her. This sounds just like a Japanese yokai story from three episodes back. Mm, it does. It does, doesn't it? it? Very mm-hmm. much so. Because of the singing scorpions. Right. I <laughs> fo- follow the Moskva down to Gorky Park. <laughs> I well, wish I could whistle. I, I, I wish I could whistle. Let's. I want someone to splice in just that whistling from that. I think we Yeah. I think we could get away with that. I think that's a fair use. The way. This is for educational purposes. <laughs> so once we put down Isis's story, we pick up Horus's story, more or less. Horus is Osiris's son and is kind of the resurrected hope of the monarchy. The image I probably will use in the show notes is Mufasa and Simba, Mm -hmm. um, because Mufasa is just there to die. Simba takes on his rightful place as the dynastic monarch. Horus is is very hard to tell the story because it's all about the digressions. Horus is the god most associated with the pharaoh. In fact, every pharaoh has how many names? Lots. Yes. Um, five. <laughs> Seven? Five. Mm. And the most important one is his Horus name. Oh, yes, yes, the Horus name. Yes. I don't know what that means, but it's the important one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Osiris may or may not be like the big god of the pantheon, but Horus is the god of kingship. And his story kind of picks up with him in this kind of foretold rivalry with Seth, the god of disorder. We'll probably spend a lot more time on Seth in some future episode. Horus kind of comes of age under the threat of this conflict, and the myth leads up to either a battle or a fight or a 70-year feud between Set and Horus. It happens. Yes. Um, <laughs> so your, your Horus name is not just the invocation of a god— but it's the agglutinative morphine of kingship to tie you to your place. Are you speculating or saying this? No, that's a fact. I just, I said it, it's so. Okay. Thank God we're not an academic podcast. Whew. Hang on. He says you're welcome. <laughs> My favorite Horace name yes. is Horace of the Two Eyes. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a like good fella's name, you know? Yeah. Like Johnny I, Two Times or I want to be remembered as Jacob of the Two Eyes when I die. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else would indicate that something went kind of wrong in my life. Well you're wearing spectacles. <laughs> Surely in grade school you got called four eyes, right? Uh another good name for Horace is Golden Horace Osiris, <laughs> who is specifically the version of Horus that's kind of consumed Osiris's myth and he's both of them at once. I mean, okay. Um, Horus the Elder is the version of Horus that predates Osiris because he's from the older, older than old kingdom. 
He's the son of Geb and Nut, the gods of night and day, or land and heaven, I don't remember which, and was an early patron god of the pharaohs that predates all of this Osiris myth story. So Osiris is basically a 2500-ish story, and and Horus goes before then. That's right, yeah. Like, everything that I read said he's the oldest god. There are pictures of, like, sacred falcon bird god Going back mm-hmm. to like 3500 BCE. Was he the tutelary god? I don't actually know what that means. Wikipedia has disambiguation links, which I clicked. <laughs> Hang on. This is Horus? So when you say that word, uh, how do you spell that? T U T E L A R Y. Yeah. Okay. So, a minor, so what does that mean? A minor deity or a spirit who is a guardian, patron, or protector of a particular place, geographic future, person, lineage, nation, culture, or occupation. It's the guardian, okay. a- guardian angel type god. Ew. I don't know. He's definitely the patron of the pharaoh line, though. I mean, kind of, that's his strongest association. But if he's old, he was the patron saint of ye old map dot. I feel like he was possibly the patron of two kingdom Egypt. Like we see the, the young Horus is wearing the double crown thing. Oh, mm-hmm. um, Uraeus. Uraeus. Is yes. the cobra headdress. Right. Mm-hmm. We were asking about that last episode. Were we? We were. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, yes. Mm, thank you for clarifying, Uraeus. <laughs> so, there's an epic thread between Horus and Seth. There's mm-hmm. a lot of different stories about this. Uh, some of them are from other mythologies entirely. All of them were combined by Plutarch in one wacky story. <laughs> Random elements. As the god of balance, Toss spends a lot of time navigating between the two of them, trying to make sure that neither one of them is stronger than the other in their fight, which mm. seems kind of unfair. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very fair, but it's also kind of unfair because, you know, what if one of them was actually better? I don't know. It seemed kind of like, I don't know, some of the descriptions of the various things that they did is almost kind of like an X-rated spy versus spy. Yeah. You know, because they're equally matched. Obviously. And, yeah, and but there's silly things like the whole stone boat thing. I don't remember and, the stone boat thing. Oh, so this was w- one of the, I think, I don't know if this was before or after the lettuce, this, the... The lettuce the, sandwich. The fateful lettuce sandwich, but they uh, decided to have a boat race with stone boats. But Horace outsmarted Seth by just making a wooden boat and painting it to look like stone, and Seth actually made a stone oh, boat. Oh, sneaky. So that's very spy versus spy. Sneaky. <laughs> but also, like, at some point, Horace cuts off. Isis's head and Thoth randomly replaces it with a cow head. Yeah, you know, that There's happens. <laughs> um, so Isis tries to intervene by, I think, throwing a spear at Seth at some yes, point in time. That's it. And uh-huh. misses and hits Horus. And so Horus gets really angry and cuts off his mother's head. Like you do. That's comedy gold. Rude. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It's like a Marx Brothers movie. Yeah, so there's like some versions of this where it feels like the entire thing was like a one night only rumble, and other versions <laughs> where it's like a seventy year feud between basically good, not good and evil, but order and chaos. And those are balanced forces. I mean, yeah, it's going to go on a while because this is a dualistic pantheon. Order and chaos are 
opposing kind of yin and yang things. So yeah, it's going to go on for a while. Uh, it's only that um, I think Horace has so many allies that it works. That it goes to his favor eventually. Uh, also, the judge is his son. <laughs> that seems unfair. So is the is the Plutarch version? Is that the one that's called the Contendings of Horace and? I, I mean, that is that's Seth. that's the name of this chapter. Okay. 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 Yeah. And that's the that's the weird like kind of yeah, homoerotic or at this point it's not even homoerotic right like bisexuality is a normal thing so um, yeah I mean I can I I can find it homoerotic now <laughs> I really think Seth is cute um, this is, this is, even if he's a little dumb he, he is a little makes dumb a stone boat but whatever yeah well that was the rules he followed the rules that was silly he did uh-huh. so what's Horace doing being the god of chaos here let's see. Apparently, semen is poisonous. Who knew? i just not going to go down this road. <laughs> Somebody's um, been eating too much garlic. Oh, was that out loud? No, it's not loud. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going to take this minute and go grab a juice box. <laughs> so, somehow, Horace agrees to have sex with Set, I think. And they do, I think. And then somehow Horace spreads sets semen on lettuce. Lettuce is an aphrodisiac, so that's why lettuce. Oh, and, yeah. Okay. And somehow feeds it to him, which makes makes him very sick. And then he gives birth to Toth through his forehead. So I yes, and the way that I heard it was that okay. So as they're as they're doing their thing. Uh, Horace makes sure that none of Seth's semen goes inside him. He holds it, throws it into the Nile, and then he puts his own semen on the lettuce so that Seth is impregnated by Horace. Maybe you said that. Did no, I didn't that? remember that one. I thought it was. Yes. I thought it was just Seth. And even in the best part, and it's not clear if Horace did that or if Isis did it. But somebody put Horace's semen on lettuce, fed it to Seth, impregnating him. And then when they went up to the judges, the other gods, to say, you know, who was more dominant, when Seth pleaded his case because he'd, you know, sexually dominated Horace, um, they called out to Seth's semen, and it yelled from the river, Hello! 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 (laughs) Male gurgling noises. And then when Horace pleaded his case... And they called out to Horace's semen. It called out from Seth's stomach. Okay. Hello, hello. So the it was deemed that Horace had dominated Seth. And at some point in time, they cut off Seth's testicles and take gouge out Horace's eyes. Yes, and exactly. Then, but then they right. trade. <laughs> I confess to being a little lost here. That I don't know, but there's. I, there's some. Um, the, I think the testicle never got repaired. But it did actually. Did it? Yeah. Was it because okay. in the big musical number at the end, people are given <laughs> back their eyes and testicles, and there's like a happy reunion scene. <laughs> there's people dance, eyes and testicles, kind yeah. of shuffling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the eye, supposedly Thoth helped Horace fix his eye, and also there's some stories of the eye wandering. Wandering the earth on its own. 
Um, yeah, although Not- I think that might be Ra's eye, actually. But since Horus and Toth both adopt Ra's portfolio down the road, mm-hmm. I don't know. Although we... we- n- I don't know if the testicle went on its own journey. <laughs> Hello, Jamin, you're back. <laughs> so things have been going on journeys, huh? <laughs> We're talking about, uh, yes, we, we talked about a lot. We talked about a lot, and you won't know it what we talked about till you listen to the episode. Which can be found on our website, dispatch.ist, as well as your hmm? favorite podcatcher of choice. Thank you. Yeah. There are no actual hits for Seth's testicles in Google. Huh. Yet. Hmm. <laughs> um... What else can be said? Oh, here's a question. So, um, why, in some cases, is the Eye of Horus seen as a satanic emblem? Uh, this may be taking us out of our... Is it just that there. it's an occult symbol of magic? I guess. I, I think Maybe it's just it's kind of... Power? It's kind of a powerful symbol, and I think it's just kind of a cult, and all occult things are kind of satanic. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's all a thought. Right. I get the Eye of Horus and the Eye of Ra confused regularly, and like both of them are important, I think that their myths get so smudged together that it's impossible to tell them apart. I know that Ra's eye wanders off and is kind of a jerk. Which is the one you draw on your cheek in eyeliner in high school? Horus. It's the Weejot eye, but I don't know which one that is. I think that's the Horus eye. That's the one that looks kind of like death in Sandman, like her eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's some association with the Eye of Ra with goddesses like Bastet and like they're the protectors. Right. I think the Eye of Ra becomes a god or goddess at some point in time. Yes. And this Mm -hmm. is probably that bit where gods are more ideas and thought forms than gods. Um, I know the Eye of Ra, and this is a pointless aside because Ra is not a deity that we're covering today, but... Ra is the eye of Ra is not Ra. It's its own separate solar god, and sometimes it's the female aspect of Ra, his eye. Mm. And uh, one day it got angry with Ra, which Ra sounds like kind of a distant jerk god, so maybe, and mm-hmm. wandered off. And Toth, we should probably talk about Toth soon, uh, had to bring her back <laughs> with logic and reason and humility, and he had to ask her 1,077 times to come back. <gasps> the distant goddess. Is yeah. this the story of the distant goddess? It might be. I mean, it sounds a, I little think it like, is. a little like the Lilith myth, too, where you had to send someone yeah. to intervene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, oh, uh, so it's kind of like Frankenstein versus Frankenstein's monster. Like, people conflate the two, mm. but there's Dr. Frankenstein, and then there's the monster. Who was unnamed. Who was unnamed. Or... I think is. I like yes. to think of the name was Shelley, actually. Shelly? I, I, <laughs> I like to think that his name was Dave. Uh, for, for many, many years after, well, not after anything is a myth, but uh, for a long time, the triumph of Horus over Seth was commemorated with the annual killing of a hippo. I remember. Oh, yes, 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 yes. But it wasn't. Uh, so, I don't know if Wikipedia was just trying to be kind. Or anybody, this wasn't even Wikipedia. It was another thing I read where they insisted that it wasn't. A, don't worry, it wasn't a real hippo. But I'm sure it was a real hippo. 
even because also one one of their battles they take the form of hippos. Right? Yeah, yeah, the two of them go after each other in hippo form, which I think is pretty awesome. Actually, it's like hungry, hungry <laughs> I would, hippos. I would pay good money to see that. They are terrifying um, animals. They are one of the most like they will they will kill yeah. you just for the joy. More of people you. die by hippo than by any other arbitrary number I'm about to make up. And you know what? Rhinos, by contrast, they look scarier, but they're incredibly sweet. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, they just can't see you. Yeah. <laughs> Poor little guys. Oh, if we're going to move to Thoth, I have, or before we do, I have one interesting factoid about Horus, but I'm happy to wait on that. The Encyclopedia Britannica says that between 500 and 3,000 people die from hippo attacks each year. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. I have nothing more to say, more to say on the subject. <laughs> Thank you, Encyclopedia <laughs> Britannica. Hey, Victoria. Yes. Uh, what do you got about Horus these days? So, did you know that Horus's four sons are personifications of the canopic jars that, you know, are the jars that are um, buried or put in tombs with, like, one has the lungs, one has the liver, yeah, your organs. one has the heart. One, yep. of them, mm-hmm. one of them had a really cute name. Yes, and so the canopic jars, if you've seen them, they're really pretty cool. Um, so there's, I'm going to totally screw these up, but do, do a matef, happy. Happy. Happy, happy, and uh, co- there's one that begins with a Q. I'm just going to say mm, that. Him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so each one of them protected a vital organ, and... Um, so through these four sons who represented these things, he was able to, Horus himself was able to look over the land of the living. And so they're depicted in the jars. Uh, so they're said to act as guardians of the organs that are in the jars. And they also represent the cardinal points of a compass. And so let's see, they match up as, uh, so Happy, who is baboon-headed, protects the lungs Imsidi, who is human-headed, protects the liver, and Duamatef, he's jackal-headed, he protects the stomach, and then the Q guy, uh, he's falcon-headed, and he protects the intestines, Mm. and each one of them in turn is protected by a goddess, a specific goddess. I cannot wait to read all that on our show notes later, because... Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Because I ruined this pronunciation. Because I have no idea what's going on right now. Once you see the jars, it'll all make I want to see the jars. They're very cute. Okay. I think it's it's time for talk talk. Wait, it's time for talk talk. <laughs> talk talk. <laughs> Easy for you to say. No, it is not. Talk so, talk. Uh, <laughs> so Toth fits in here because <laughs> in the well actually school of thought, the first thing he did after being... Wait, that's not a verb. How does that verb tense work? The first thing Toth did after being birthed by Seth is to immediately start refereeing the fight between the two gods. I mean, hmm. yeah, that's a it's a tall order. It is. Um, no, he reminds me very much of Enki, kind of the engineering god, the guy that's got all the answers. Also, kind of god of magic, god of reason, god of invention. Toth is also sometimes one of the like, creator gods, sometimes they're the very beginning, in an alternate myth from old Egypt. I already mentioned this because I like the word. He was the leader of the Ogdoad gods. 
That word does sound familiar. Ogdoad gods, yes. This is the Eightfold, a group of uh, gods that were supposed to have created the world because the Egyptian mythology of creation was not complicated enough. Theologians in Hermapolis set forth to make it even more complicated, deliberately so. Is Hermapolis in Greece? I think it is later, but basically Greece takes over Egypt, so that's very definitional. Oh, yeah, these these eight gods were in paired concepts, but nobody has a good list of what the pairs are, so it doesn't matter. But Toth was number one in the Ogdoidology. Who was his pair? I don't know. Oh. Yeah. One of Toth's kind of major aspects is he's the counterpart of Miet, the goddess of balance and order and harmony. And the two of them stand on either side of the barge of Ra as it goes through the sky every day-night cycle forever. And he's actually he's married to Miet. I think I said that already. Uh, that would make sense as he's, he's his wife. But together they're kind of the god, the god, the god of balance and the goddess of harmony, the god of equilibrium. They're both balance gods. Yeah, they are, and they kind of work together. I guess that's one of the reasons why Toth was so keen to adjudicate the fight between order and chaos early in his life. Do we have anything else to say about Toth? I feel like he's important, but again, all these stories just don't go anywhere. Yeah, it's like, he's important, but there is no grand narrative. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, you've got you've got your engine, and you've got all the components and the pistons and everything, and he's just, you know, he's just like, in fuse panel, fuse number three. 10 amps. I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of see him as the very first civil servant. Mm. And in that role is kind of like the thing that keeps everything going. <laughs> sort of behind the scenes because he's, you know, keeping track of the weights of everybody's hearts. And he's like, you know, uh, writing everything down. He's doing math. He's like, yeah, he's um, super important. You're, you're right. The civil, mm-hmm. like the the weighing of the hearts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's no there's no fun story. At least that we uh, the Greeks stole. Yeah, yeah. It's like we got this one myth. There's probably a lot of other stories that we just didn't re- get recordings of. Mm. We never know. Well, one interesting <laughs> of all of these strange, useless bits of information, but Plato was very dismissive of Thoth because he saw that the myth of Thoth demonstrates that writing leads to laziness and forgetfulness. In in the story, uh, Thoth remarks to King um, Thamus of Egypt that writing is a wonderful substitute for memory. And so Thamus remarks that it is a remedy for reminding, not remembering, for the appearance but not the reality of wisdom. So future generations will hear much without being properly taught and will appear wise but not so. So there was a little a little bit of a- Oh This is like our fifth grade teacher saying, You have to learn long division and we're all like, But I can do it on my calculator and she'll be like, What if one day you don't have your calculator? And mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. all of us adults, none of us can do long division. Yeah, none of us can use, do long division. I have my phone, <laughs> and that's the end. Plato was right. But I feel like, again, I don't know. 
I still feel like he's foundational because also he provides a home for souls in the hmm. afterlife and record- you know, through writing creates a form of magic. Yeah. Well, creates and, he is the, he creates all magic, all spells. And yeah. And also, I mean, he must be special because um, Alistair Crowley is, you know, famously published the Thoth tarot deck. That's true. So, and then, you know, explains how explains the theory that tarot cards were, you know, originally came from the Egyptian Book of Thoth. Well, so, they would kind of have to because one of Thoth's many names is the author of every work on every branch of knowledge, both human and divine. <laughs> so, it goes without saying, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. I, 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 As somebody who's often a middle manager, I empathize and respect the work, the very sure. quiet diligence sure. of Thoth. So let's attempt to wrap up the myth of Osiris and then say why it's important. Um, What have we learned today? Broadly speaking, the conflict is resolved in favor of Horus and depending on what year it is in favor of kind of balance, because earlier versions don't have Seth losing his testicles. Uh, Instead, Hmm. there's just the semen elements. He gets them back in some versions of the myth as well, which is nice. Uh, Everybody's made whole. Then the resolution of the kind of cosmic feud comes up. Horus and Set divide the realms between them, and Horus basically gets the kingdom, and Set basically gets the wilderness. Horus gets the fertile lands around the Nile, and Set gets the wasteland. But later on, past the Middle Kingdom, 1500 beyond, Set really gets nothing, and is kind of cast out of the desert as an exile, depending but he gets his testicles back. <laughs> Horus takes over the throne. Egypt finally has a king again. Uh, again, that just feels like the Lion King. Hmm. Like they, mm-hmm. they really is a very derivative myth. And all of the, the kind of wrongness that Set put in motion by killing Osiris is wiped out by this new monarch, uh, this refreshing the cycle of kingship. Interesting. No, I, yeah, that, that's, that's logical. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, Cyrus never comes back as a god. He's involved in the cycle of death and renewal, but kind of as an underworld deity as well. And again, that kind of tie between agriculture and underworld is very strong. And that's why the moon changes shape over the course of the month. Hmm. And why we have kings. Kings are important. I think why it floods is in here too. Isn't that an Isis thing? Yes. And also Cyrus, because one of the... Uh, festival activities is to create these like little mud Osiris's and plant seeds in them, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he's supposed to like there's like the flood, like it all, like the silt from the flood, the, the fertile they silt. Make these like mud Osiris's yeah. and plant seeds in them, like little chia chia Osiris's. <laughs> yeah. Also, this is why we have mummies. Very important. Yes. Uh, starting the first a mummy. 2,500 mm-hmm. year obsession. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, hieroglyphs. What? Is this why we have hieroglyphs as well? Yeah. Thoth invented hieroglyphs. Okay. Yeah, writing. Sure. I believe that. Right, writing-ish. Mm-hmm. One thing I got out of this mm-hmm. is having spent very little time here before... Uh, you spend enough time in comparative mythology, as we have done, and you say the the Greeks 
oh, the Greeks saved Egyptian mythology, and you're like, okay, listen to the story. Does it sound Greek? It's probably Greek. Does it sound not Greek? It's probably, you know, original canon. And you're like, okay, okay, we've told these stories, you spend enough time doing this, you're like, ah, that smells suspiciously average, and this this smells suspiciously Greek. And you're like, okay, yeah, you can see see it through the lens of Greek mythology, which it is. Yeah, I think there's a certain, isn't this weird, that you get through Plutarch yeah. uh, and, and into the century yeah. as well. Hmm, hmm. Well, that was hoity-toity. That is hashtag <laughs> H-O-I-T Horus Osiris Isis Thoth. Feel free, if you want to, tweet us with this hashtag. We are at the Dispatchist. Feel free and visit us on our website, dispatch.ist, or like I said, find us on your podcatcher of choice. We would love it if you subscribed. If you wanted to like... Wait, we've got a new one. While you were talking, I added a Discord. (laughs) We have a Discord. (laughs) So, where's the Discord? On Discord. But (laughs) what do I click? Discord.com slash channel slash 8856473123 slash 8856 or on our website, dispatch.ist, there's a friendly link. (laughs) We love it when you subscribe. We love it when you like, comment, share, tell your friend, tell your mom. I'm talking to you, Laura. Tell your friends. uh, Hey, hey, this was pretty interesting. I liked it. Uh, Listen along with me next time. Mm, That's a nice, that's a nice idea. And if you like guacamole, man, guac like an Egyptian, it's delicious. And so, thanks for following along. Until next time, we'll see you in hell. This podcast is copyright 2021 by The Dispatchist and its Creative Commons. You're welcome to reuse with attribution. Look for us on your favorite podcast app. Say hi to us on Twitter or Gmail at The Dispatchist, no spaces. Check out our website, dispatch.ist, for more episodes, show notes, and a variety of hellish resources. Okay. Add channels, add episode suggestions, add Antichrist, books and movies, voice channels. Okay, I've got the icon going. And save. I sent the link. No one. I feel so alone.